We're in a week two of our series called Forgiveness, and I just want to do a quick thing real quick. We're, we're taking our outline from this book, Total Forgiveness, and so we do have a few copies back there available. We made mention of this last week, too. They're $15. So if you'd like to dig deeper into what we're teaching and maybe even get ahead of us a little bit, you can uh, purchase this book for $15 and then uh, read it, and you'll be digging deeper, and you'll be knowing where we're going here as we go over the next few weeks because this series will be seven weeks long, so this is week two today. So imagine you're 13 years old, and you happen to be your dad's favorite. He gives you a lot of special things, treats you a little differently than he treats the other siblings in the home. And as you can imagine, the siblings, your other siblings, are probably a little ticked off, right? So what they do, they're so upset that they devise this plan to kind of take you out. So they sell you to some traffickers, international traffickers, that take you out of the country. And they fake your death. And so here you are, all alone. Would you be able to forgive your brothers if they did that to you? Now imagine that you're working for a guy in this foreign nation, and his wife comes on to you pretty aggressively. Now you know it's not a good idea to, to mix personal relationships and, and, and co- commercial relationships, right? Especially with the boss's wife. So you say, no, I don't want any part of this, but she's pretty aggressive. She actually starts sexually harassing you. And you say, no, 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 once again. But now she goes to her husband and flips the table on you and says that you have been sexually harassing her and he throws you in jail. Could you forgive her for that? And then you find yourself in jail and you develop a relationship with a politician who says that when he gets out, because he's only doing a short time, a short stint in jail, when he gets out, he's going to get clemency for you. And so you're all excited about that. But he gets out and you never hear from him again. Man, could you forgive him? I bet you'd be pretty bitter after all those circumstances take place in your life. Well, for some of you, you know that I'm talking about a true story in the Bible. And, and who am I talking about? Anybody? Joseph. Joseph. Yes, exactly. This is Joseph. It's exactly what happened to Joseph. And we find his story in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. And amazingly, Joseph did forgive his brothers who sold him to those international traffickers. And he demonstrated forgiveness in the most unforgettable ways. In case you don't know the story, I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis. His brothers sold him to traffickers while they were in, uh, and the traffickers took him to Egypt. He languished in jail there for many years, and he began to find favor with some other political folks, political leaders of Egypt, and all the details are really amazing, and you can read the story in Genesis. Uh, We're just going to read a little bit of it here today. But actually, Joseph had a lot of dreams, prophetic dreams that the Lord would give him because he served the one true living God and he had a dynamic relationship with God. And so God blessed him with these dreams. And while he was in Egypt, he had a dream that there was going to be a seven-year famine and he worked his way up to be actually the second most powerful person at the time. And what he ended up doing was 
taking care of the food supply so that the whole region would have enough food throughout that famine time, which was simply amazing. And amazingly enough, during the famine, Joseph's brothers came to visit Egypt looking for food because they had none in their own region. And not knowing that their brother now was second in command, he is, they assumed that he was long gone, that they would never see him again. But here they find himself in front of Joseph, the second most powerful person. And Joseph forgave them. Even though he could have sent them away empty-handed, at the very least, had them executed or maybe had them sold into slavery themselves, but no, Joseph forgave. So today we're going to talk and take a look at some of the strategies Joseph used to totally forgive or to forgive totally. And if you want to follow along with me, I'm going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 45. So go ahead and open up your Bibles or fire up your devices. Uh, You had notes given to you as you came in. For those of you that are connectors, you know that we do have an app that has notes available, so you can also take notes on the app as well and email them back to yourself. So we're picking up the story. When the brothers are asking Joseph for food, and and they don't know who he is, because remember, uh, they haven't seen him in decades at this point in time, and they have no idea who he is. They just know that they're standing in front of the second most powerful person in Egypt. So I'm going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. We read this. Joseph could stand it no longer. There were so many people in the room, and he sent, said to his attendants, Out, all of you, get out. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. And verse 2 tells us, Then he broke down and wept, and he wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him, and word of this quickly carried carried over to Pharaoh's palace. Amazing. I'm going to stop right there for now. So the first strategy that we learned from Joseph, and we talked a little bit about it last week in our intro, is number one, you don't tell. Number one, you don't tell. Joseph could have told all of his Egyptian buddies who were there. Remember, he's the second most powerful person in Egypt. Uh, His brothers are standing there before him. Man, he could have told everybody what was going on, how crummy they were to him. And remember, Joseph lived in a time that there wasn't Google, social media, texting, or any of that nonsense. Well, not nonsense. It's good stuff. But there (laughs) there wasn't anything like that around. And so he probably figured he would never see his brothers again. Once he went to a foreign land, there's... There's no way. That was probably very likely that he would never see his family again. But now he's confronted with forgiving face to face. 22 years had passed from the pit of betrayal to the palace of forgiveness. And here stands Joseph confronted with this. And he's calling us right now. It would have been really tempting for Joseph to get revenge or blabbing all the details all over the palace, all over the countryside. It would have been very tempting for Joseph to humiliate them too, punishing them for the way that they had sinned against their own brother. But instead, he sent everybody out. And then he finally revealed the truth to his family. 
And the question we have is why? Why, why? why did he send them out? Well, because he was aware that God had actually been good to him. He knew that God had been good to him. He was able to think about all those circumstances and how the Lord had positioned him, giving him dreams, positioning him so that he might be able to be in charge of the food supply during the famine. And it makes me think of Psalm 103, verse 2, and this is David speaking. David says this, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. That's a prayer we all can pray. May we never forget the good things that the Lord does for us. We can praise him even through the most despicable circumstances. We can still praise him. When we remember how good God is, it helps us to forgive. I told a story within the last year of uh, many years ago, Gene and I were a part of a, of a youth group, and uh, there was a new youth pastor that took over, and after a few months, he decided that uh, if you had kids in youth, that you couldn't be a youth leader anymore. And I remember sharing with you guys, uh, for those of you that were, were here, that you know, that kind of devastated me because I was on the path to be a youth pastor. I figured that's what God was leading me to do. And so it was a very traumatic experience, and, and I won't talk about my details anymore. Gene was a part of that story as well. So we're talking about forgiveness, so I'm going to have Gene come up and just share her perspective about that as well. Wow. So being that it hurt my husband, you know, it hurt me too. No, no. Yeah, it hurt me that it hurt him. And then any of you that know me know that I can be a little spunky, um, and so I, I was a little bit more than hurt. I got real ticked and, you know, went and said my things that I needed to say. Um, I, I don't think, think I sinned in my anger, but I did say the things that I felt like I needed to say. And then I actually told them that I forget, forgave them, okay? That's something that I just felt like I needed to do. I needed to say, I forgive you. Yes, you hurt me. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore, but I forgive you. Um, <laughs> uh, so years go by, and this happened to, I mean, it, it affected a lot of people that I care about, okay? And not just me and Bob and our kids. It was, it was like the whole youth group and other people we had relationships with and stuff like that. It was a, it was a big deal. Um, and so every once in a while, me and a friend, we would get together, and for whatever reason, that name would come up. And so we would, like, rehash that whole thing over and over and over again. But then again, I forgave, Right. Hello, what am I talking about it for still? Um, so a couple more years go by, because this happened, my kids, were, my kids were young and they're grown and married and have kids. But um, I went into this establishment in town and lo and behold, one of the individuals was working there. And the other, the spouse of the uh, individual was sitting there on their computer and I walked in and I just felt that all come right back again. And my daughter was with me, and she said, Mom. I'm like, what? And she said, what is wrong? I said, nothing. And she said, oh, yes, there is. I said, do you see who's here? And she said, yes. I said, I don't know if I can do this. And she said, yes, you can. And so I did. I did it. I went up, and I ordered my whatever I was ordering. And we left. And I'm like, why did that just take over me like that? 
Well, I, because of all that replaying of the whole scenario, right? Going over my mind over and over again and retelling it and all of those things. So I actually went and verbally confessed my forgiveness again to the Lord, made myself go back into the, that establishment a couple weeks later, not right away, so that I could see if it was going to rise up in me again, because I would see them on Facebook and it would rise up, rise up, right? And I'm trying to keep that down. Finally, I let it go. I went into the establishment. I was genuinely friendly, and I didn't have that all in me anymore. So there's power and forgiveness, right? Okay. Thanks, Gene. Forgiveness is something we all deal with in our lives, and we will until we're dead. We're always going to deal with forgiveness. There's always going to be people that we need to forgive. And there have been, may have been times in Joseph's life over the last 22 years that he was being blessed by the Lord, really, and had these dreams and rose up into power that he probably thought of his family, he probably thought of his brothers, and he probably forgave them in his mind. But when he was there face-to-face with them really is where the rubber meets the road. And that was the point of Gene's story. When he's there in the same room, what is Joseph going to do? So let's continue reading. Genesis 45, verse 3. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. Could you imagine? Man, that you had done this to somebody, and then 22 years later, you're standing in front of them. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. I'm sure they were super nervous at this time. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Like they didn't remember that they did that, right? (laughs) I love it, Joseph, like you're reminding them. But he says, here's what Joseph says. Joseph says, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. And then he ends, he goes, it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. What a great perspective we see Joseph taking here. Man, what a great perspective we see. So the second strategy that Joseph uses is number two on your notes. You want them to forgive themselves. You want them to forgive themselves. Sometimes we say or we think to ourselves, I forgive you, like Gene said, for what you did. But then maybe we also say, but I really, really hope you understand how badly you hurt me, and I hope you feel that pain like I felt that pain. That's not forgiveness. (laughs) I'll just say that, right? Total forgiveness is being able to see that God was able to work good even through the bad. I'm going to say that again. Total forgiveness is being able to see that God was able to work good even through the bad. And it reminds me of a, uh, a verse in Romans, Romans 8:28, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose for them. So we see this in Romans. Now, I, I always want to caveat when I talk about this because we want to understand that, you know, a lot of times we say God's in control. And, and I think if you've walked with the Lord, you kind of understand what that means. But I like to say that God is sovereign. Because sometimes if we say God is in control, he's like a a chess master on the chessboard just moving us around. And that's not the case. There's chaos in the world. 
We bring chaos into our world because of the decisions we make, and other people's decisions bring chaos into our world. That's just the way life is. But God is sovereign. As we serve and as we, we, we go to him, as we serve him, as we learn and we, we just walk with him, he is going to put those pieces of our life together. It's going to take time sometimes. It's not going to happen yesterday. It might not happen tomorrow. But as we are faithful to walk with the Lord, he is going to do what he says here. He will cause everything to work together for good in the end. It's going to take time. Might not be very pleasant, but he's walking with us through these situations in our lives. And remember, we talked about this. The point is you want them to forgive themselves. This is for those of you that are having a hard time forgiving yourself. This is for those of you that have a hard time forgiving yourself. You know, as we were talking about this series, Pastor Rust on in Bozeman, if you don't know, we're one church in two locations. Bozeman is the main campus. We're here in Great Falls, and the teaching team is from both campuses. We get together each week, and, and someone asked to address how to forgive yourself when you've done something wrong. Well, that's what we're doing right here. You need to forgive yourself, too. We're forgiving others that have wronged us, but if you've wronged, you need to be able to forgive yourself and let God pick up the, the pieces from your mistakes and walk into the future with him leading and guiding you by his spirit. Listen to Joseph's understanding. He goes on to say this in verse 6, This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. God was the one that rose him up into power for that. So when you're working at forgiving somebody, keep in mind that you also might want them to forgive themselves. And maybe you, like I said, need to forgive you in certain situations. God has the ability to do something great with the bad things we do. God can redeem our mistakes and make our lives better than before. Do we try to make mistakes? No. I had a conversation before we got together here today with somebody, and, and, I, and we were reminded of 1 John. Don't sin, but if you sin, the Father's going to forgive you. But don't sin, because if you sin, the Father's going to forgive you, but don't sin. That's what John tells us. So it's not like we're making mistakes, but we will, and God can redeem those mistakes in your life. Genesis 45, the first part of verse 15 says this, Joseph kissed each one of his brothers and he wept over them. Man, how emotional. Put yourself in Joseph's spot. Man, his family's back. He's forgiven them. Man, he's, the things, man, that, that they're going to be able to do together as a family now is remarkable. 
And then Joseph sent his brothers back to their homeland to get their father. And they came back to Egypt and as a multi-generational family, they settled in Egypt where Joseph provided for all of them. Man, that's awesome. That's what happens when you forgive. That's the potential right there. Stop to think, what if Joseph had not forgiven them? There'd be no Israel, no Moses, no Exodus, no Red Sea, no Jesse, no David, no Solomon, no temple, no Jewish nation, and guess what? No Jesus. I mean, it, it goes all the way back to Joseph forgiven. And, and we can pick that apart in other places, don't get me wrong, but that's a pretty heavy thing to think about. Joseph's act of forgiveness paved the way for all these other things to happen. So now let's think about us. What could be the ramifications in your life? What could be the ramifications if you forgive? What could be the ramifications if you withheld forgiveness for whatever reason? Or unwilling to restore and repair relationships, at least on your part. We talked a little bit about that last week. You can't control people. But can you stand in the mirror and say, you know what, I've done what I can do in this situation. Ramifications. Now let's go to Genesis 50 and we'll fast forward 17 years and Joseph's father dies in Egypt and they take him back to their homeland to bury him and we'll pick up the story in, in Genesis 5.14. It says here, after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, guess what happened? Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. Doesn't that just sound like just talking, 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 right? Stirring up stuff, getting all scared, stirring up stuff. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for a great wrong that they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. (laughs) Uh, So we, the servants of God and your father, throw the father in there, beg you to forgive us of our sins. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. Man, they were, they were pretty fearful that Joseph was going to get retribution. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many, many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. Man, that's, that's amazing. So forgiveness strategy one we see, we see don't tell. Then we see you want them to forgive themselves. And the last thing we see is you forgive them for the rest of your life. You forgive them for the rest of your life. That's what we see here Joseph doing. I mean, he could have been doing it just because his dad was alive and then bam, the hammer falls. 
but he didn't. If you've forgiven someone for the sake of a parent or a spouse or any other person's interest, you will find yourself thinking about how you're going to get back at them once the other person is gone. And if you, if you think like that, you know that you haven't forgiven totally. When we forgive, we bury the offense. When we forgive, we bury the offense. So don't go back up and digging up dead things. That's sick. We bury it, we walk away, and we leave it. Here's a quote I ran across. When I ponder the sins for which I have been forgiven, it is enough to shut my mouth for the rest of my life. (laughs) I love that quote. I'm going to read that again. When I ponder the sins for which I have been forgiven, it's enough to shut my mouth for the rest of my life. Forgiveness is an act of worship, is really what it is. Forgiveness is an act of worship. There's a story of Corey Ten Boom on forgiveness. If you've been around Christianity for any length of time, you might know who she is. You might even know her story. I'm just going to tell it real, real briefly. Corey was in a concentration camp in 1944 and eventually was set free. Now, she was a middle-aged woman at that time. She was born in the late 1800s, so by the time all this concentration camp thing happened, she was in her late 40s, early 50s. But years later, she's at a church service, and she actually spoke at this church in Munich. And one of the SS guards come up to her after the service, and they say to her, I become a Christian. Man, your story was awesome. Thank you for, for, for showing God's love and forgiveness. Now I too am experiencing God's love and forgiveness. And he also went on to say that he's seeking forgiveness from those that he, he had in the concentration camp, and she knew exactly who he was. And so she's like, he's like, you know, will you forgive me? And he sticks out his hand. She felt in that moment that she could not forgive. All of that welled up inside of her again, kind of like what Jean talked about earlier. All of that welled up inside of her, and she was back at that concentration camp, knowing what this man had done to her and her family. But then she reminded herself of Romans 5.5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. She understood that it was God's love being poured into her heart through the Holy Spirit. She realized that she could forgive because of God's love was greater than her unforgiveness. And the Holy Spirit would empower her to forgive. She shook his hand and forgave the man. And she says this, and it was as if she felt God's love streaming through her arm into this ex-SS guard. Wonderful story. Corey Tim Boom likened God's capacity to forgive to like tossing our sins into the deepest seas. And we get that out of Micah. Micah 7, 19 says this, Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Casting away our unforgiveness. Sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we need to do a physical act to cast things 
in our lives, much like unforgiveness like we're talking about now, into a sea. Well, we don't have a sea around us, right? We're in Montana. It's not like we can walk out to a sea. But I brought some water inside for us today in this garbage can right here. I don't know who you need to forgive, if anyone. Maybe you don't. That's fine. But if there's somebody that, as we've been talking last week and today, that is ringing in your head a name. We handed out some post-it notes earlier. That's what the post-it notes are for. Will's going to get up here in a minute, and, and if he, ha- he has some, so if you don't have a post-it note, go ahead and raise your hand. This is a big deal. This is a, this is a big deal today because forgiveness is going to take you places you never thought forgiveness could. Unforgiveness is going to leave you in a jail cell. That's what unforgiveness will do for you. But forgiveness leads to freedom. And I just want to say, if you're struggling with this kind of forgiveness, you're not alone. Man, God has been challenging me through this study as well on this kind of total forgiveness that we're talking about. And the rest of the team, too, as a teaching team, we've shared stories on how we've wrestled in our hearts to walk this teaching out. But it's possible. Through Holy Spirit, it is possible. And sometimes we need to put literal feet to our intentions. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so I'm going to give you a few minutes right now. If you have a name, put that on that piece of paper. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. And as we go into this next song of worship, go ahead and take that post-it note. You can crumple it up. You can fold it. You can do whatever you want to do. And during that song, sometime, walk over here and just throw it into what we're calling the sea or the ocean, just like Micah talked about. Now, remember, this is between you and God. No one else needs to know about it. No one else needs to know the name. But I believe today he's calling each one of us to release the offense, to cast it into the depths of the sea. And and like I made mention, to be set free from that bondage of unforgiveness. So as you feel led during this next song, walk over there and throw it. I'm going to pray before we go into this next song. Bow with me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for those that are here to hear this message. And there may be some of us here that really have not only unforgiveness in our heart, but maybe even bitterness. God, you're calling us to release these things right now. You're calling us to release this and to forgive totally. It's not easy. It's not. It's not easy. There have been years of hurts, I would imagine, in many of our lives. But like we talked about last week, the only thing that's doing is hurting ourselves. So the only one that's going to benefit from this type of forgiveness is us. We will be released. We will be free from the torment of unforgiveness in our lives.
I pray that you would give each one of us the strength, if we need to do this, to put that name on that piece of paper and to throw it into that sea of water. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.